You know I'm recording. Look, she's doing a jacket. What are you doing? I'm just creating a blanket. Why? A bit cold. You can't start a podcast episode by putting a blanket over your lap. I believe men and women are equal. I believe I believe that women and men are just as good as each other. However, I do believe... Women run cold. Yeah, you run cold. You've got lower body temperature. Why is that? It's just bizarre, isn't it? I'd love to find out. But we are... This is Board Game Thing. Uh, oh, hi, everyone. Hi, Bush, Louise and Brian. Um, powered by Zatu Games. We are back in our little cubby hole in Hackney's... Um, Sorry, can I just interrupt for one second? Yeah. No one even mentioned the safe last week. That's a good point, actually. And I feel like the safe is the fourth. The safe is the fourth host. We have on a this we podcast. have a safe in the room with us. Uh, it's called a John Tan safe. It looks like one of the safes you get in like an old ye old Western, not ye old, but ye old Western movie. Um, but when you hear the word safe, you think of a safe in a hotel. I'd love, this, to, blo- I'd love to blow the door off it. How high is this safe? Do you think? I think it's about, uh, it's about three five, quarters of a four, Brian. Five foot seven. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I measure in Brian. Uh, yeah, I would say shoulder length. You went in it the other week, didn't you? I got in it. It's in Hackney. I, I still claim you could charge £1,000 a month to live in that safe. Get uh, like a little sink in there and a little... little uh, we've also don't got, even need a sink. Don't even need a sink. We've, we've got toilets downstairs. Um, <laughs> You've thought of everything, but... you could. We've also got a little heater in here. Um, lovely Dan, who's the boss of this uh, of this board game cafe, has put a heater in. Do you remember? Let's just chat heaters right at the start of this, because it's getting colder and darker and stuff like that. Does anyone else, like their grandparents used to have a good old-fashioned three or four... Bar heater, yeah. Super, Bar heater. Super, sir. You hold it in, go yeah. kunk, kunk, kunk. Bush's board game thing. Welcome to another episode of Board Game Thing, the weekly board games podcast uh, about board games, but there's quite a lot of mucking about, to be honest, if you're a regular, you know the score with this. Very excited about uh, this week's episode, because we're going to be talking about choose-your-own-adventure games, which are amazing things, and this is, has a special place in my heart, because right at the very beginning of me getting into this hobby of board gaming, which we all love, uh, was my dad used to sit down with me and my brother, Simon, when we were kids, and read um, Warlock of Firetop Mountain, the fighting fantasy game book to us we make the decisions and then he'd scroll to the next page based on the decisions that we made so that was my entry into board gaming back in the day which is cool and the, the whole uh, choose your own adventure market has really um, evolved and blossomed over the years there's now board games which kind of channel the energy of the book in this episode we're going to be t- speaking to the creator of the legendary fighting fantasy series sir ian livingston an actual Ooh. sir on board game thing podcast the man is like the mr miyagi of what, adventure what games did get, what do you get the sir for Services, services to fantasy games, really? I reckon. Yeah. Was that what they said on the actual piece of document? We'll have to ask him about that, actually. Did he have to, um, did they have to give him choices? You, <laughs> do you want to be a sir? Do you want to be a lord? I want to be a lord. Oh, no, you've been killed by an orc. No, uh, that's yeah. it. Choose your own right, yeah, yeah. knighthood. But we're going to be chatting to him on the way in a bit as well. Uh, how's everyone's weeks been, though? What have, what have people been up to? Louise, you've got your hair up. What's going on? <sighs> She's like Carmen Miranda over there. Yeah. I, another, um, another up-to-date reference, guys. Thank you very much. I broke up with my hairdresser. I feel a bit sick, to be honest. How long have you had your hairdresser for? Okay, so this is the thing. I've had him for years, right? He is such a nice guy. Oh, God, do you know what? Can, can, can I... One second, one second. I really... I just want to settle in for this. Because I, I love stuff like this. I really want... Just tell me everything. When, when did you first know it's not going to work So out? I was very loyal to my hairdresser um, in Dublin. And I went to her from when I was like, no joke... 12 to 24, 25. 
My words. And I never let anyone else touch my hair. And she was the best hairdresser going. So coming to London was hard. You think you've got the best hairdressers yeah, in the and world. You've got quite, your hair's quite tr- problematic, isn't it? My it's hair- quite crispy. So <laughs> quite thin around the edges as well. My hair is really thick. <laughs> and it takes ages yeah, yeah, to dry. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've been with Don't this guy for the last few years and I just love him I love him he's such a nice guy um, and I stupidly sort of got into the whole nitty gritty of his life his family his relationships his breakups oh, no, no, my no, no, breakups no. my relationships my family so you we know invested. everything about each other yeah. yeah and I just text him to say okay when can you fit me in next week and he'll text back see you on Tuesday at 4 o'clock whatever the hell it is and so the last few times I just haven't been enjoying my experience there that much what because he's unloading his life onto you because he works out of a container. What? Do you know an old shipping container? <laughs> so what? What? So what? You go to so a so shipping so container to get your hair cut? Yeah. yeah. Where'd you go, like, to the docks? So, like, there's a load of containers. Is he a serial killer? <laughs> is, it full of, is it covered with plastic? There's a load of containers, like, stacked on top of each other in right. Shoreditch. Oh. And is your hairdresser stick of the dump? <laughs> and Another good cultural reference point for the kids. And, Did um, you have stick of the dump in, in, in Ireland? I'm not going to fit... No, I don't okay, know what sorry, that is. <laughs> so, um... He works out of a container. Right. And in Shoreditch, all these containers are basically stacked on top of each other. And there's no natural look at Bush's face. And it's called Containerville. Oh, my God. And there's no natural light except at the front and the back this, because they're all stacked beside and on top of each he other. Could do, he could run a salon out of the safe as well. Genuinely, totally. it sounds like the Fallout video game, if anyone's played that. <laughs> Containerville sounds like a place that you might get a mission because of an NCP. Actually, this is, this is perfect. For an episode of uh, Board Game Thing about Choose Your Own Adventure, uh, let, let's ask the audience what Louise should do here. At Board Game Thing on Instagram, should she go round to his container and have a word and explain it or just keep her head down? And, and pretend it didn't happen. Get in touch now. Tell us what to do. So let's let's talk about the game that we played this week uh, down at Drafts, the uh, board game cafe in Waterloo. Uh, this is a cool game. It's by Big Potato Games, who we have a special place for in our heart on this podcast. They make some great games, which we very much have loved and enjoyed since this podcast first got going all those all those months ago. Uh, the game that we played has just been voted in the Telegraph's top ten family games to play this Christmas. Has it? So check us out being a finger on the pulse of uh, what to play this coming Christmas. This uh, is us playing the brilliant What Next by Big Potato Games. So here's the first card, starts the adventure. The Ocean Explorer 2000 that you rented online turned out to be a canoe with flames painted on it. Reluctantly, we set sail. The sea swells, 20 meter wave, crashes down on us. We're upside down, in the air. We plunge into the ocean, supplies are everywhere. Start the adventure. Oh my God, I love this. I'm in, I'm definitely into this now. I don't want to start casting dispersion so early on, right? But who was in charge of hiring it? Because it wasn't me. I've got to be honest here, I did, uh, I did book it online. You've washed up on the beach. Surveying the island, you see a huge mountain surrounded by a sprawling jungle. From somewhere within, you hear the faint sound of beating drums. Louise has got the two choices. Investigate the wrecked canoe or head into the jungle. I like to look ahead and not behind, so I reckon we head straight into the jungle. Although, I, is there anything we can do to fix the canoe? Because I think the excess on it was 250 quid, which I've got to pay. I put my card in. So you're the one that booked it. I don't want to pay the excess. Yeah, but that, we, were, we were going on holiday. Let's, we were saying, let's go on holiday we're together. We're going to the canoe bush. It's dead to us now. All right, let's, let's go into the jungle then. As your eyes adjust to the dark of the forest, a black and red parrot swoops down and perches on a branch above you. Okay, I'm going to need a parrot impression. Uh, I'm looking at you, Brian. Caca, caca, show you the way. 
Oh my god, that was really good. good. I'm I know this isn't part of the game, but I just want to add a bit of context and a bit of uh, texture. Can I poo on one of your heads? I've done it, it's too late now. Fancy a cold fish? Do you know what? I am a very pretty boy. Do you not agree that I'm a very, very pretty boy? I don't think it's going to be helpful if I start casting aspersions and spraying blame around, but we're at the stage where we've been carried off by, is it, what is it, a thousand or a million? About a million ants. A million little tiny ants, yeah. That's like my worst nightmare. I quite like it. Think about, you know, having a little nap at a picnic and all of a sudden you're in an ant colony. Can I ask a question? Were we naked when the ants carried us off? I just want to know for, just for, again, context. Um, I, I can write to the designers if you want, but it's not, it's not, uh, it's not explicit in the actual card. Well, look, the card's saying put two skulls in the bag, so we're just putting... Louise is going to put some skulls in the bag. Is getting two skulls good or bad? Because if you're a goth, it's a good thing. If you're not a goth, it's a bad thing. So what is it? I would instantly, initially think that skulls seems quite bad, but you're right. If you're like the lead singer of the cult or the bloke off of The Cure, you'd probably love that. I love an exposed skull. Louise, are you a serial killer? <laughs> Oh, we're at the business end now. We've, we've finally met. How many koalas are there? Three. Three koalas. We've met three koalas. And what's the options? Well, chase them, because they're throwing fruit at us and they're probably flinging their own. Do koalas fling their own poo or is that just monkeys? I think it's monkeys in general. Koalas are marsupials and not uh, apes or monkeys. So far we're nude having shit thrown at us. It's, this is grim. This is terrible. I'll be honest, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it. Is there an option to punt the koalas? I'd love to punt a koala. You mean like goalkeeper dropkick? Well, that one, I mean, it's not on the card, but I mean, my God, it'd be good fun, wouldn't it? Uh, let's uh, chase the koalas, because I think this game, this game is called Drums of Koala Cave. So let's chase them. Right, card 18. Right, we've got an event happen, which means you have to do the event immediately. It's a very interesting event deck. Louise, what's going to happen? Okay, so you attempt to cut the spider web. Pick five peril pieces and stack them up in the middle of the table. Flick or slide the puck at the tile, removing just the bottom piece without the pile falling over. This game is a mix of choose your own adventure and flicking, and this is our first bit of flicking. You've got powerfully thick fingers. I think you could do well here. Added jeopardy here, it's aimed directly at Brian's groin because he's sat on the other side of the table. So you might miss the, the disc, but there could be a benefit for all of us if it goes through. Yay! So there we are. That, that's us playing um, What Next by Big Potato Games, a, a kind of an interesting combination of dexterity games that we played a couple of weeks ago and Choose Your Own Adventure, uh, which we're talking about this week. I don't know about you guys, I absolutely fell in love with it. And I'll tell you why, because I thought it's a game that's easy enough and simple enough to explain to um, my, my eldest daughter's 12, uh, Louise. <laughs> Lu yeah, mainly, Lu mainly it was, Louise. It was nice of you to try and do that, but yeah, we talked old. about you, Louise. Yeah. My eldest daughter now is 12, and if you don't capture her imagination within like five minutes of the explanation, she's not interested or she's, she's on, on her phone. On her phone. Yeah. So that is good. And I'll tell you another good thing about it. All of the instructions are on, on cards. Cards are a great rule book killer because... You just turn the card and it tells you exactly what to do. You don't have to leaf through rules and make it work. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It really brought me back. I don't think I've read a kind of choose-your-own-adventure game in like 25 years. And it reminded me of how engaging they were as a kid. They're great. I, I love them. And, and there wasn't all just orcs and swinging axes around and all that kind of stuff. No. Can I ask you guys a question when you did choose-your-own-adventures? Yeah. 
Did you put your thumb in place of where you were in case you didn't like, like the, pla- the yeah, place so you were going to? Because I used to do that. Can't I admit. do that. I know, I know. It goes against the spirit of the game. I mean, we should ask Sir Ian Livingston when we chat to him, but... You know, that's what I did sometimes. If I wasn't ready to end the adventure, that's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, I, I, we asked on Twitter what um, what games or the books that people used to love back in the day. And this is why it's such a it's great to talk about them this week on board game thing because uh, even if you're not into board games, you'll have had some form of choose your own adventure experience back in the day. Uh, and I was just asking people what their favourite ones were. Dan M says the Sorcery Saga, fantastic front covers. The art was the other thing in these games that really made mm-hmm. them amazing, and like brilliant fantasy pictures that will just stay burned into your brain. Neil Crozier uh, loved the Forest of Doom, the fighting fantasy game. Why uh, would you go in there? Why, if you're go- if someone clearly- says there's the Forest of Doom over there. I'd say I'm not going to go in there because it's called The Forest of Doom. Uh, Rob has sent us an amazing photo. He's got all of the fighting fantasy wow. books, which is an amazing thing. So th- that is what is your appetite. Uh, let's get on with it then without further ado. Back in the 80s, uh, two friends, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, ushered in a brand new era of games that blew the minds of loads of kids up and down the country, uh, opening the door to some amazing fantasy adventures they have maybe just on their own or with friends and rolling dice and having pen and paper adventures. An amazing thing. Um, They've gone on to sell uh, over 20 million copies of these books wow. worldwide, which is an unbelievable thing, because it's fantasy, so it's quite niche. But what they did was open the door to casual gamers, which is a brilliant thing. Uh, and this is what happened then when we caught up with the legend that is Sir Ian Livingston, the man behind fighting fantasy game books. Uh, so uh, let's welcome to the podcast the legend that is Ian Livingston. Sat, uh, we're chatting on Zoom right now. Ian sat in front of your amazing uh, board game uh, cabinet of uh, different games. What a collection. Well, that's just a few. <laughs> Actually, I've got over a thousand in this room. That's amazing. I mean, um, uh, yeah, we, we talked on last week's episode about I, I do a thing where if I buy a game, I don't want my other half, Katie, to be annoyed with me or cross because I keep buying them. I keep saying that's my last one. And I hide them in like cupboards and under beds and all that kind of thing. Are you, are you, do you sneak them into the house, Ian, or are you, are you allowed to? You, you're, you're a gaming legend. You can do what you want. It's pretty hard to hide, hide a thousand board games from my wife, especially when she kind of comes in this room occasionally and kind of shakes her head in disbelief and kind of walks out again. So, uh, uh, Louise, you need, I mean, you're, you're obviously in your cupboard there with your uh, expensive coat in the background that we mentioned on a previous episode. Louise, you need to get some games in the background like Ian's got going on. Do you know what I mean? Well, Ian, I'm ashamed to say that I hadn't played a board game in 20 years uh, up until about, oh, I don't know, four weeks ago. Um, so looking at your, you know, Bush did say last week that if he uh, won the lotto, he'd buy a flat just to keep all his board games in. And this week, it looks like we are we are looking at that through your Zoom camera. It looks fantastic. Uh, and so, I mean, let, let's let's start with the, the fighting fantasy books uh, that, you know, uh, have been such an important part of so many people's lives. Whenever I mention them on either the show or the podcast or on Twitter, you get loads of people coming to say, oh, you know, they, they, they were huge when I was a kid and it got me into board gaming or uh, unlocked my imagination. Well, when you when you created those first uh, adventure books back in the day, did you ever think it would be as big and go on to be as big as it was? Warlock of Ice Up Mountain came out in 1982. Um, I mean, even Penguin Books didn't believe in them at the time. They only printed a small number. I think it was less than 10,000. And they reprinted, I think it was 11 times in the first two months. Uh, and at first, they didn't actually sell very well at all because um, there's no marketing of them. And they looked like a normal book you know, with a cover and, and pages as any standard book. But there, the difference uh, was missed by most people. These were interactive books, branching narrative with a game system attached and empowering the reader to make choices and fight monsters using dice and 
So it was it was that difference of moving what was traditionally a passive experience of a, of a linear narrative to an interactive experience with the Friday Fantasy Gamebook. Uh, talking about um, uh, the word of mouth, Ian, um, I love the story about how in the mid-70s people would call to your flat and try and buy board games to the point uh, where you're, you got evicted in the end because of that. Is that correct? Well, we started before Fighting Fantasy. In 1975, Steve and I started a company called Games Workshop, which I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with. And we ordered, we were living in a flat in Shepherd's Bush on the third floor, and we were playing board games as a hobby. And we wanted to turn our hobby into some sort of business. And we put out a small fanzine called Alan and Weasel, and we sent it to everybody we knew in games. And one of the recipients was Gary Gygax, who lived in, in the States. And he just invented Dungeons & Dragons, not that we knew that or anything. And somehow he got hold of a copy of Alan Weasel and wrote to us and said, love your magazine, would you like to review my new game? So it didn't look much. White box was pretty average drawing on the front, but it opened up the world of your imagination like no game had ever done before, and I don't think any game ever would again. And here was a book, which was the, the first role-playing game where one person designed a labyrinth of rooms and passageways, created this dungeon, populated them with monsters and treasure, and the other players took on these roles of heroes and wizards and fighters and go these fantastic journeys of the mind, kind of theatre on the fly. So Steve and I became immediately obsessed by D&D. We ordered six copies because that's all the money we had in our lives. And on the back of that order, we were given an exclusive three-year distribution agreement for the whole of Europe. Wow. Because Gary Gygax was also <laughs> operating out of his flat in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So we started selling it mail order and and we didn't have a phone in our flat. Obviously, it was before the mobile phones were ever invented. But there was a, there was a, a public payphone on the ground floor and it was always a telephone sale for, for workshop. And we'd get down, <laughs> it'd ring, we'd run down the stairs, it was too late, a landlord was there saying, Hello! You want games workshop, do you? <laughs> just hang up on them. And, but um, he used to get irritated by the phone going off and people coming up, knocking on the door, wandering around the street looking for this games workshop shop. Of course, it wasn't a shop. Anyway, we ended up um, having to leave, uh, for want of a better expression. So we went over to the States, met Guy Gats, signed up all the fledgling games companies, came back, goes to the bank manager and repeat the same story about how amazing D&D was to try and get a loan. Um, it kind of looks at you like like a dog watches television, had no understanding whatsoever <laughs> what you're talking about. Didn't get the loan, had to live in Steve's van for three months. Oh, we found goodness. a small office, continued selling D&D. So those are the struggles of the, the early years of, of Games Workshop. Just just going back to those books then, um, I wonder if I can get, uh, you might not be able to give it to me, but I wonder if I can get absolution for you because I um, vividly remember getting uh, The Warlock from, from my local library when I was about, I don't know, eight maybe. And I have to confess, I was I was a thumber, uh, Ian. I would put my thumb in the place because I didn't want to die and I didn't want to have to go back to the beginning. What's your view on that? Uh, <laughs> you should I, be, should I, I call it I call it cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's call it what it is, Brian. Let's call it what it is. But honestly, you, you were not alone. I don't think it's anyone who didn't cheat. I used to call it the five-finger bookmark. I see people on <laughs> on buses and trains all like holding their fingers up multiple pages and 
I just, I think you used to kind of justify just peeking around the corner, taking a look and making a different decision. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. As long as you enjoy the adventure there. Um, we were talking about this the other day, Ian, how, how crucial and key the artwork is in the Fighting Fantasy books because they're, they're brilliant and everything. But I, I wonder whether, for me, I can remember as much of the adventure as I can from some of these, uh, some of the artwork of going into rooms, mainly going into rooms and disturbing orcs that were trying to get on with stuff. But like some of the pictures are still to this day, I can see them when I close my eyes so how key for you guys yeah was, was it was the artwork we actually used lots of games workshop artists to do the covers and the internal illustrations because we managed to convince Penguin that they should use our artists rather than theirs because it was a puffin imprint for children they wanted to use their traditional artists with very safe artwork and covers they wanted like you know, a toadstool a little gnome God, no sitting worries. on the toaster and some butterflies and we wanted covers that threaten to rip the face off the readers. So we, <laughs> we, actually, we actually won that argument. And, and then we, 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 had, we got to work with some of the best artists, fancy artists that, were, that ever kind of walked the planet. Um, and there was one artist that stands out, obviously Russ Nicholson, who did the internals of Warlock of Fire Top Mountain, was one of the first. Um, but for me, um, Ian McCaig, who did the cover of Death Trap Dungeon, uh, Alan Eliza King, City of Thieves and Forest of Doom, was just incredible. That's amazing. And we can see in the background, uh, of, in your study where you're chatting to us on this video call, you have, I, I think, all, all the all the Fighting Fancy books in order in the background there. Is that right? Yes, yeah, all completely mint, unopened. Ian, you mentioned earlier that um, you have four kids. You must be the most unbelievable bedtime storyteller in the world. <laughs> did you uh, read them your books or did you just freewheel at the end of the bed? They must have just been like hyped up trying to choose their own adventure going to sleep. Or how did that go? Well, you know what kids are like. They reject everything that's got to do with their parents. Their own parents. Yes, damn right. <laughs> <laughs> they used to ask for a proper book rather than one of mine. They're brutal, aren't they? Aren't they brutal? Terrible. It's interesting you mentioned earlier on that, um, it, you know, it was a solo experience. It's a game book you could play on your own. We got into it. Uh, my dad used to read it out to me and my brother when we were kids and make the decisions and roll the dice and everything. But um, it's, it's kind of... Um, predicted a, a real kind of renaissance in, in solitaire games, particularly, you know, during the, the pandemic when people are, you know, being able to go to their game groups and all that kind of thing. Um, what, what's your kind of view on, on games which you play just as yourself, solitaire gaming? How, how do you feel about that kind of thing? Well, I think it's fine, of course. Yeah, I would, I would say that, wouldn't I? Because fighting fantasy game books aren't normally played on your own, but most people read books on their own and they don't read them aloud yeah. to other people. But I think it's, okay, it's clearly contextually right for 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 reading a book but entertainment i think should be normally a shared experience everything we enjoy we like to share that experience with somebody else yeah so yeah i prefer multiplayer games to to single player games just for that very reason that's not just enjoying it you kind of get that meta level of of enjoyment through the interaction and enjoyment with with other people and and with, with games in particular i say you can you, you have a laugh and, and conversations come about by during the playing through or, or playing of games and then you know doing these deals and reneging on them and just that, the, the, the fun and laughter that comes from you know doing the dirty backstab is always always a joy and so and so what, what's your next project what's the next thing you, you've got coming up then Ian? what are you working on right now um, well, I, I work on several video games. Um, you know, I've been in video games for some 20 or 30 years now. And so I'm working with a few companies in that area. I'm also 
just finished writing a book about the first 10 years of Games Workshop called The Dice Man that should be coming out, Dice Men, which should be coming out in, in, in the spring. But I'm also working on a new fighting fantasy game book. They're now, they're still in print, but they're now published by Scholastic. And it's the 40th anniversary next year. You know, the Warlock of Firetop Mountain will be 40 years old, wow. which is a frightening thought in itself. But um, there's so much to your point about nostalgia. There's a lot of so many people I meet now in their 40s who, when I say I wrote those, those Fighting Fantasy game books, they kind of revert to childhood and, and remember a moment in time where their imaginations were completely sparked by the, the adventures used to go on. So there's a lot of excitement, more from the from the mature reader, shall we say, than the, the new reader right now for, for, the, for the next Fighting Fantasy game book. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Well, listen, these, these game books have uh, such a special place in everybody's hearts, and that's proved by some of the messages that we've had uh, from our listeners and everything as well. So, uh, Ian Livingston, thank you so much for coming on to Board Game Thing. We appreciate it. Thank you, and may your stamina never fail. <laughs> Sir Ian Livingston, such a lovely guy. And whenever you mention him or on Twitter or anything like that, he always gets such a good response from people who, who are indebted to him for getting them into board games because he got me into board games for sure. So without further ado then, let's move seamlessly from the uh, mercurial uh, prestige of Sir Ian Livingston to Brian's Board Game Fact of the Week. What have you got for us this week, Brian? Brian's Board Game Fact of the Week. Are you ready for this week's board game fact of the week? Yeah, go on. It's about choose your own adventures and stuff. Right? Go on. So you enter a room. There is a man sitting in there. His name is Brian. Do you A, ask him to give you the board game fact of the week or B, not ask him to give you the board game fact of the week? B. B. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> See, if you, uh, you can choose your own adventure, you're not prepared okay, for the outcome. An orc has entered the room and he says you have to ask him to give you the board game fact of the week. Or... Well, that's it. Or that's you, no or choice, you though. That's cho- there's no choice. No, but you've, that's the thing you've... Okay, he gives you two choices. You ask. You can ask Brian to give you the board game fact of the week, or you can demand Brian gives you the board game fact Do you know what, of the I'm, week. I've got my thumb in page 1111. Let's go back to the corridor and go there. Let's go north instead. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is, this is hurtful Just to me. Just as an aside, you mentioned an orc turning up. Yeah. That's the bit I love the most about the old computer versions of these choose your own adventure games like the ones you had on BBC Electron like an orc is here yeah or, orcs ubiquitous in just, choose your own adventures yeah they, they turn up what was the one we read uh, was it Warlock of Firetop Mountain or Citadel of Chaos where you're just opening doors onto orcs, orcs having a sleep orcs uh, doing the admin admin orcs having a poo yeah um, anyway so do you want to come on then I'll, I'll just yeah get on with it get on with it yeah, yeah. No, no, you've got to ask me ask me to do the Louise board. can you ask him I was going to say push can you ask <laughs> no you ask him. him go on just ask him Brian refuses to give you the fact he's <laughs> really upset no. so the invention of uh, choose your own adventure uh, stories do you know how it came about this is very interesting because you mentioned earlier on your dad used oh. to do choose your own adventures to you he used to read them out to me and my brother yeah yeah the guy uh, from, a, he's from I think he's from originally from America he who originally sort of published books that were choose your own event what you could be termed as choose your own adventure novels he used to read bedtime stories to his kids uh-huh. and he used to just get through the stories really quickly and then he they would get bored they would be reading the same stories over and over again and he was bored as well because he didn't want to have to read the same stories over and over again so he asked his kids hey why don't you guys like choose what happens next uh-huh. uh, which gave and then they had all these weird and wonderful adventures and that's what gave him the idea of a book like a that you could buy in a shop that would do the exact same thing that would be different every time so you wouldn't have to read the same book over and over again do you know what I mean you could, you could take any book then and then 
add the element of choice. So say you're, you're Jesus, you're doing miracles, do you want to do... Or not miracles. Or water to... Wine. Or, or Diet, Diet Coke. <laughs> or not Diet Coke again. Yeah, no, oh, you should, guys should try it out. It's Please, a fantastic it's, drink. How much are they paying? What's, what's the deal? It's what? not like about how something. much they're paying, it's about how much I buy into the lifestyle and the brand. Okay, right, okay. Um... So look, if there are any other games, Brian, this is a great board game fact. Oh, I'm week. not finished yet, mate. There's another. Okay, uh, come ask on, Brian come on. for another. Gone. Oh, God. Brian, give us the last fact, will you? Brian, Brian gets his uh, phone out and reads another fact to Louise. <laughs> um, the Stranger Things logo. Yeah. Yeah, you know when it, when you watch the TV show Stranger Things and then that that big logo of the words, it's the pink, typeface. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of retro. Based on purpose on the um, font of Choose Your Own Adventure books oh. as a homage a little tip a little tip of the cap it very much reminds me of what, how if you were an old Dungeons and Dragons player what the old adventure books used to look like and stuff like that as well so it does channel that that's fantastic as he takes another sip of uh, Diet Coke <sighs> it's just so refreshing um, some other Choose Your Own Adventure games that you can get on Zatu's website right now Roll for Adventure uh, very cool you kind of create you roll these dice and you create this kind of character and their backstory essentially a little bit like what we're about to do in a second with Louise and a board game character Call to Adventure similar thing Adventure Games Volcanic Island Dungeons and Dragons we talked about that before as well and then they've made um, a board game version of the old Choose Your Own Adventure books if you remember them do you remember those? Really? Uh, great art on the front Choose Your Own Adventure House of Danger but in board game format again going back to the Forest of Doom why would you go into a house if it's called the House of Danger? it's a really good point just, just go yeah, around you, it whatever happens in there that's on you because that's your own fault for going in I'm sure that's in the forward so there's some of the uh, the (laughs) games that you can get Uh, let's head over to Louise for her board game character backstory service who are you going to fill in the blank background of this week so I feel like there's a theme running today and that is orcs I just feel like Brian talks about orcs a lot I love the way you say orcs orcs how do you say orcs 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 um, okay, listen, let's do the orc from original Top Trumps. Oh, yeah? I love the original. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, if you, original Top Trumps, we, we talk about this a lot. Brian and I spend a lot of time chatting about Top Trumps and the, the originals. The, the the deck that you would have taken on holiday to mm. Falaraki in mm-hmm. 1986 oh. with, with your parents when there was no snuffing on telly. Precisely. What your mum and dad do going to Falaraki? We used to go to Falaraki all the time. That, are they that, sort of that, into that sort of Keys stuff? Keys in the bowl, that kind of oh, thing. Okay, fair enough. Um, but we'll put a picture on our Instagram, at Board Game Thing, of these cards because they all take you right I back. forgot. I forgot about these cards and then when I came across across this picture online I was like oh my god I spent so many like hours playing this game loved it Top Trumps is great obviously nowadays you can get Top Trumps for anything cars Marvel superheroes horses Big Brother contestants I don't know whatever Uh, but back in the bubble card unbeatable 100 on everything what's that bubble bubble (laughs) do you remember the little port pie hat yeah um, Sweary Pete Sweary Pete was another good one as well Clinger is a good one yeah well back in the day there was only a few and the very very first one was basically a Dungeons and Dragons themed one Victor having an argument getting chucked out card <laughs> I Rage. think I think everyone is sort of forgotten uh, but we're gonna we're gonna put a pick up on our socials and memories are gonna come flooding back right. I, uh, I promise you that there was the demon who was unbeatable if you had the demon you would and remember when you got the demon taken off you oh absolutely furious do you remember the elf the dragon the sprite who was a massive turnip headed I hate yes yes Louise the wizard congratulations I, I hated the sprite he was just such a little like you say idiot he, in fact let's just let's all let it out he was a and the peasant who was a waste of a card do you remember that if you had the, I mean the, if you were down to three cards and you had the peasant you're, you're on your way to a high kill him put him about his misery but forget about all of them today the backstory is about the orc the orc the orc love orcs you know what you remember this? He had sadness in his eyes, didn't he? Did. he? he did. Weird, weirdly, orcs, I don't know if anyone will get with this, orcs have had a real transformation. Since? 
Back in back in the eighties, orcs looked different to how orcs look now. Are you saying Peter Jackson changed the orc uh, paradigm? He did. They're, they're different to how they used to look. People get with me on the, the at board game thing. Orcs are different. <laughs> orcs are different. They're, they're they lost a lot of their. T- they, they used to have tusks, didn't they? Yeah, they used to have yeah. tusks. Tusks gone. They almost a bit shreky. Do you know what I mean? Like now, yeah. It's just different. You kind of want to go up to them and like look at them and in the eye and say, you know, who hurt you? Yeah, what happened? Why, yeah. why, why did it change? Uh, so this backstory is dedicated to Nigel Ork. Nigel Ork. Nigel like that? Ork. Nigel guy. Ork. Good guy, yeah. So all through his life, he was teased for being an Ork, told he was a beast, bred to do Ork things, sleep while on guard. Hey, always sleeping on guard. Always, always, always sleeping. Lazy. Sleep while on guard duty in a dungeon, carry a massive axe, steal peasants' chickens, waddle about on a battlement. They loved doing that up and down, didn't they? Just walk. First, quite quite thick as well, walks, weren't they? They didn't get any, uh, there's never any kind of like progression for them or getting promoted or anything. But a bit similar to the barbarian who we did a couple of weeks ago, he wanted more. Yes. They always do, don't they? So he enrolled in a fast track scheme to become a logistics manager for one of the biggest companies in the region, the Dungeon of Castle Fortress. Oh my God, this is the thing, right? People always talk about, you know, the Castle of Doom, Castle of Dungeon Fortress, Citadel the Forest of, of Doom, Citadel of Chaos. No one ever talks about the work that goes on behind the scenes at those places. They would have had like uh, uh, foundations built. Yeah, uh, there, there would have been catering. Uh, there would have been ca- canteen. Yeah. Um, what else have they been security guard front desk uh, waste management sign in HR exactly and you never guess he took to it like a duck to water oh, I bet he did he passed his course with flying colours his team leader called him the most natural logistics manager he'd ever seen and why and not tipped yeah, him, and tipped him yeah. to become the regional vice president for Gruel within one year oh my god I'm, do you know what I'm rooting for Nigel Ork go on Nigel as me as am I yeah, me too. So it was his first day at work. He was excited about all the possibilities the future would hold. And yeah, he was walking Jeffrey. down a corridor and bumped into an adventurer who was attempting to escape from the castle of Dungeon Fortress, who killed him stone dead for no reason. Or IP. That's the thing. And this well, is why we, we should have talked to this. We should have talked to Ian Livingston about this. I feel he was too heavy handed with orcs. It was always, it was, it, it, it always kill the, the option was kill an orc. And there was never talk to the orc. Ask if the orc's okay. Do you know what? And what's more, actually, and uh, again, we don't want to bring this up with, with Surya because we want to make it awkward, but there's a lot of kill the orc and then have his stuff out of yeah, his box Nick under his, his bed. Yeah, nick his swords and take all his gold coins. That'd be equivalent to going on to like an oil rig and, you know, ending someone who's like one of the drillers there and then going into their locker and having all their yeah. like crisps. Yeah, I think we should start a campaign to rehabilitate orcs. Yeah. They've had such a rough ride of it, haven't they? They, they really have. Spare a thought. These movies you've watched, Dungeons and Dragons games you've played, board games you've played, we've all, you know, high-fived Killed each orcs. other. Killed orcs. What about their families? Yeah, Peter Jackson's got a lot to answer for. Yes. Uh, Louise, thank you very much. Very really, poignant. I really enjoy that one, I have to I'm say. I'm sad at the injustice of this world. I'm sad at the injustice of this world. We want to say a big thank you to Sir Ian Livingston, the legend. I'm not going to do the, the um, uh, stock exchange today. All I'm going to say is this. We'll end this week's podcast with... Go and have a look at the Fighting Fantasy books and pluck one out from yesteryear. You can get them uh, either brand new or secondhand. Just try it out again. If you've got kids, read it to them. It's a fantastic uh, little way of, if they're a bit bored of reading books, getting them into using their imaginations. And we can't recommend enough the brilliant What Next by Big Potato Games. This has been another episode of Bush's Board Game Thing, powered by Zatu Games, and we'll see you next week. Just watch out online for, I've started a crowdfund for Nigel the Orc. Uh, we're going to get a bench, we're going to buy a bench, and we're going to put it um, on the battlements of the uh, castle of Dungeon Fortress. It's going to say, like, R.I.P. Uh, Nigel Orc, 1984 to yeah. 2017. He loved this place or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, if, you know, chip in a few quid if you can afford it. Um, that'd be fantastic. Thank you very much. It's what Nigel would have wanted. Beautiful.